it's a great pleasure to welcome back to this episode of What's Next, uh, Liziwe Maseko, Executive of Digital Software Engineering at BCX, and uh, great to have BCX back on with us. Uh, firstly, Liziwe, it's, it's great to have you and welcome a new face from BCX uh, to What's Next. Uh, uh, firstly, I, we and I chatted before we started off. It's extraordinary to think that here we are in this world post-COVID and yet we're still operating uh, remotely in many cases because you know it's the it, it's the most uh, sensible thing to do and it's like you know from a from a work point point of view it certainly does uh, you know this is the new way of working and we are optimized to do it this way how did you get into ICT thank you Aki good morning to you and good morning to your listeners and definitely the pandemic changed the world it's never going back how we work and live has now changed and we are able to to enter spaces where we go into hybrid work you know sometimes at the office and sometimes remotely as we are today so i entered ict i i always say it was the best accident that's ever happened to me i had intentionally intended to be an analytical chemist and I picked up the wrong test. So I wrote the aptitude test for IT instead of chemistry. <laughs> and <laughs> I ended up being awarded a bursary from the telecom group to study IT. So that's how I got into it. That is absolutely fantastic. And what a what a mistake. I mean, it was certainly destiny to write the wrong aptitude test and then get into ICT. You know, we know that um, there's a massive skill shortage in the country at the moment. Um, and, you know, you're a digital software engineer um, and, you know, mm. you, you've qualified and, and, and there's such a shortage of people like you, um, especially females in this sector. What is your advice that you give to young people who are perhaps watching this or parents who have got young people who are thinking about, you know, perhaps pursuing ICT as a career? What's your advice in getting in and, and getting to where you've got? So for anyone who's interested, I definitely say go for it. I mean, digital is all around us. There's no escaping it. It's a part of our lives. I sometimes because, you know, education can be a barrier. What I say to people is you don't necessarily need a degree, right? So if you have some barriers that um, are impeding you from getting a degree, do a certification, just just start, just get into it and you grow in the field, right? So many people yes. in the field today did not necessarily start off from a digital or a technical background, but here they are participating in the field. So by all means, go for it. That's That's the best advice I can give. You know, and it's such a good point you make because everyone thinks, you know, ICT, you've got to have a degree, you've got to, you know, and that's not the case. You know, you can do lots of stuff in the sector, whether it's uh, cybersecurity, you can get in with a diploma. And, and you know, at, at school, for example, you might not um, have taken mathematics at a high level or science at a high level. But as you grow older, that aptitude, uh, you might do a test and it, it might surprise you on the aptitude that you might have for ICT. So, and you, you, you're a great case, you wrote the wrong exam. And uh, look at where you are today. Now, it's so interesting. I mean, you've been in the business for many years, and it's so interesting to see how fast this landscape is changing. And you've seen so many interesting changes in the ICT landscape over the years. What kind of stands out for you? Uh, so many changes in such a short space of time, bombarding us every day. So the easiest one that I can think of is how the cell phone has evolved. I grew up in a time where there were no cell phones. 
And then there were cell phones, but they were only used for voice communications. But if you look at how the cell phone has advanced, you know, it's a computer. We walk around mm -hmm. with computers. And so you don't necessarily need a laptop anymore. Um, thinking of day to day, I also think of wearables, you know, where now you can you can measure how your heartbeat is going, blood pressure, all of that on wearables. You know? So, so mm -hmm. that is definitely something that was not always there. And then close to my heart, what is definitely I see a change um, in the 20 years or so that I've been in the industry is more women participation. When I started out, Aki, there were very few of us. Um, often I would be the only one in the room. Um, we still needing more participation, but I, I can definitely see at technical levels that there are more women participating in the field. And that's, that's really something close to my heart and lovely to see. Oh, that's fantastic. And yeah, those barriers are certainly moving, as you say. And the technology yeah. in the sense, uh, in the way it's evolving, as you mentioned, it, it it's actually changing people's lives. You know, you just mentioned two of those things now with you know, blood pressure and monitoring your heart, you know, when it comes to monitoring people's health remotely, I mean, I just, I just love what technology is doing around us. And we often talk in this country about 4IR and what it means yeah. for South Africa, what it means for the continent. And I guess that these barriers are slowly, slowly being broken down, in some cases a bit too slow, some might say. But the fourth industrial revolution is having a tremendous impact on us globally. And now we're even talking about the next industrial revolution, but what does 4IR mean for South Africa? So there is definitely a digital divide. We can't get away from that, but that does not mean that there are not opportunities in 4IR. So the promise of 4IR specifically for South Africa lies in the ability to use technology to accelerate economic growth, to improve the lives of, uh, of citizens, improve our living standards, and also to improve service delivery, right? So technology in these spaces, let me make an example. For example, economical, economic growth, right? We can now design solutions and sell them online. As consumers, we are able to do financial transactions online. Uh, right. Public service, for example, you are able to, to apply for a smart ID online. You are able to do your tax returns online. So these are ways that we can accelerate, you know, digital transformation from a private and a public sector um, in the South African economy and, and for our country. So there's definitely a huge promise which should we should all look to to explore, you know, what mm. we can get uh, out of these technologies. There's no doubt it's uh, certainly empowering when you can do all of these, uh, all of this functionality on, on, a, on a smart device. And, you know, you start thinking about smart cities and the work that BSEX is doing around that. But when you look at the adoption rate uh, in South Africa of digital, digital transformation projects, how do we compare with the rest of the world? Are, are, we, are we right there? Are we making good progress when it comes to this digital transformation and the adoption rate here in South Africa? There's definitely room uh, for improvement, but what I say is all is not lost, right? In my view, it starts off at an educational level and also for, for youngsters to see people like me, you know, um, females being participating in, in the industry so that they can say, we too can do it. So the adoption rate, uh, it's not perhaps uh, as far as it could be, but there are definitely digital transformations within 
with within the country and as i've said this this goes a long way for the improvement of the country as a whole and for our citizens but yeah the adoption rate is there and and increasing day by day if you look at the okay, number so of digital transformation for example yeah 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 and but but i mean you, you you're happy with the progress and i guess that when we look at it, and I think COVID for, for me has seems to have sparked a lot of this going forward, right? It's kind of jolted a lot of uh, government organizations, a lot of businesses and a lot of in the private sector. I mean, it's really jolted us as a country to start looking at it in a different manner. And it's changed things forever, as I've said. So for us in the technology space, definitely, um, you know, COVID helped us a long way, right? In the sense that yeah. businesses started looking for ways for them to continue business continuity, looking for technology solutions for business continuity. But now it's gone further than that, right? It's what else can we do outside of business continuity that will make an improvement in the lives of our customers and also our employees, right? And that's where digital mm. transformation comes in. So definitely yeah. digital transformation is on increase. Uh, always more can be done, but we, we, we are making great strides and the pandemic did help us from a technology point of view. So let's talk about some of those challenges that, that are being experienced with digital transformation and how do we overcome them? I mean, the, the one big one we touched on earlier is, is skills, certainly. Uh, mm -hmm. But what are those challenges that you see from your lens at BCX uh, when it comes to digital transformation? So my advice is um, perhaps start with smaller scale projects. What we tend to see is that organizations will go for very complicated and complex project, try to boil the ocean. And in that, you know, you can lose your customers and your employees. And also the projects themselves tend to be over several years. And over time, you, you will lose um, you, you will lose interest or people will lose interest in the projects. So definitely breaking down the complexity, always being clear on what is your business objective. Um, sometimes projects fail, not because of the technology, but because we are not clear on what is the business objective. What are we trying to achieve by going this particular route? And a particular route could have had a particular objective for customer A, for organization A. It's not necessarily going to be the same. Likewise, um, all. I'll make an example with cloud. Uh, many organizations uh, migrate workloads to the cloud for cost saving reasons, but another one could want to do it for operational resilience, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where you have to be clear on why are you undertaking this project to begin with. Um, don't, don't try to boil the ocean all in one project, perhaps stagger the projects uh, so that you can uh, see benefits as time goes on. So these are the complexities I feel where as business leaders, perhaps we get too excited about the technology and we forget about the business side of the project. That's such great advice. And, 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 and that knee-jerk reaction that you spoke about earlier on how many businesses uh, are moving you know, projects to the cloud, but they're not analyzing exactly what needs to be done. They're not clear on the objectives. And then yeah. what happens is they end up realizing, oh, we've wasted a lot of time. We're not getting what we want to achieve out of this. It's because yeah. they're doing it for the wrong reason. So some some great advice there. Thank you so much for your time. BCX is executive for digital software engineering at BCX, Liziwe Maseko. And uh, for anyone watching this, young people, uh, take that advice and, and go and do those exams. Go follow your dream in technology. And it's, it's one of those sectors that's so exciting. It's got so many diverse areas of expertise 
that you will find mm. something, but it's where you need to be in the world that we're living in today. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning, uh, this uh, today, Lizzie. We're uh, great chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Aki. Thank you.